XL, Charlotte Sports Live. Welcome in to Charlotte Sports Live. Carla Gephardt here alongside Grace Grill with you tonight. And the start of a new week, uh, which is a good thing, and it includes some more Panthers football tonight. That's tonight. right. The Black and Blue return to the field this week for mandatory minicamp, which should generate some interesting storylines that we will get into in just a bit. Plus, the Hornet has some big decisions to make as we are now just 10 days away from the NBA draft. But let's first talk football. Yes, let's do that because we do have mandatory mini camp starting tomorrow. And it's the final chance for the team to really establish more of a base with the new system and the coaching staff and also build the future chem further chemistry before the summer break. This is also officially mandatory, so that means that they have to go, right, or they're going to get fined for this. All of their sessions up to this point have been voluntary, though most of the team has been present for OTAs. Frank Wright, though, impressed with the progress so far by this team, but he made a point to temper those expectations. We still, you know, as an offense, as a team, we, I love where we're at right now, but we still have a, we still have a long way to go. We're where we need to be, but we still have a long way to go. I want to keep pushing myself, uh, keep leaning on my teammates, keep doing everything I, I can to prove to them that, you know, I, I'm, I'm dependable and I want to do everything I can to help the team. Um, so, you know, again, I'm grateful for, for all the guys that have been so welcoming to me. Um, and, you know, I want to repay that, keep working. And, you know, that, that doesn't stop now. It's, it's still a process. Is figuring out the depth chart, which it could start to see take form as early as tomorrow in minicamp. And there were already questions about the corners this season, and that gets more interesting now with J.C. Horn currently sidelined. So we'll definitely be watching that. Or how about who will start opposite Brian Burns? These are all the questions that we have going into minicamp as we start to see that depth chart take more form. Yeah, I think uh, the interesting thing with all of this, too, is that a lot of these players, especially on the defensive side, you mentioned Brian Burns, they're going to be playing a slightly different position in the 3-4. Yeah. Even Etor Grosmato is going to have a, a different place on in the backfield. And so I'm really interested to see how those guys line up on the defensive side under Ajero Averro and, and to see the changes that are made. And, I mean, you're looking at guys like Etor Grosmatos. Can they step up in this new role and, and do something different that they didn't do last season? Right, and especially when you're talking about the secondary because not only are you – like, normally you go into a minicamp, okay, it's like everybody knows their role, everybody knows what they're battling for. But with this new scheme, everybody can be moved around in different pieces. So it's kind of like a tryout for another – position in the secondary tour wherever you may be of like, hey, and who knows, maybe some of those guys, like a Jeremy Chin, that they're thinking, okay, maybe we move him into more of a nickel. Right. And pieces fit where they may, depending on how they do in minicamps. So. Yeah, and they've kind of already said that as far as Jeremy Chin is concerned. And then on the offensive side, obviously Bryce Young going to be working with the ones. He, yeah. he did that last week as well, but this week we're actually going to be able to see that, kind of see what that looks like, see his leadership on the field, and see how it connects with the wide receiver room. Well, the other thing, too, you mentioned wide receivers. We have so many battles going on. It's not just the defense, but we also are looking forward to the wide receiver room, which we bring in Gabe McDonald to help us break that down. That's right, and the Panthers have a talented and deep room there. But, Gabe, you've got more for us on really just how this group has evolved over the offseason. Yeah, guys, compared to recent years, the Panthers, they do have a crowded room. Now, they don't have that true number one like a DJ Moore, but each of their top guy brings something different to the table, which is key in Frank Reich's multiple RPO-based offense. So let's take a look at their top six wideouts heading into minicamp this week. None of them with eye-popping numbers, just four touchdowns between the three returners and Terrace Marshall Jr., LaVisca Chenault, and Shia Smith. Rookie Jonathan Mingo will be in the mix. He's already getting good reports so far 
this offseason. Then you have the projected top two guys in newcomers, Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, the only guys on this list that have made a Pro Bowl in their career. Now, both have dealt with injuries in the past, but are excited for a fresh start in Carolina. Frank Reich showing that same excitement with all the talent they bring to the table. But I, I, love, I, I love our room. Um, you know, anybody who's been around me knows we like to spread the ball around. You know what I mean? We like to spread the ball around and feel like we can do that with this group we have. Adam's come in and done a great job. LaVisca's look good. You know, Terrace, DJ, the whole, the whole crew of them. I mean, we've really done a good job. And tight ends, I think the tight end room has been, you know, exceeded expectations in many ways. So uh, excited about the skill group. But a lot of question marks, too. You obviously look at a third-year guy, Terrace Marshall Jr., looking to see him get over that hump. You got Adam Thielen, who's lost a bit of a step, but he's really pretty much the de facto number one right now. But I think Jonathan Mingo is a guy that we've seen a lot. I think he could definitely make a push for getting into that top three as well. I mean, you heard Frank Reich say it there. I know we're going to be we've been talking about this, how we're going to watch these position groups. But the one I'm most excited about is the tight ends. I mean, you heard Frank Reich say, oh, they've exceeded expectations. But this is a group that has highly underperformed, I think, in the Panthers' offense. Some of it the scheme, some of it play, but that's what I'm going to be watching tomorrow. Yeah, definitely that. And you mentioned Jonathan Mingo. I certainly agree with you on the wide receiver side of that. Terrace Marshall Jr., though, finally able to get on the field a little bit yeah. more last year, and I think he's going to be able to really take a big step here. You kind of you look on Twitter and you look yeah. on the you know on practice I've heard fields a lot and stuff. Of great and things about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's exciting, and and he deserves that opportunity. Exactly. I think another guy too. Watch out for Lavisca. We saw him in those little gadget plays. Yeah. I think with how many RPOs that Frank Wright likes to run and being multiple, I think he's a guy that could possibly creep into there as well. So you look at our obviously our projected top three having Thielen and Chark, the guys that have been there, done that. Terrace Marshall Jr., we've heard a lot of good reports. He's pretty much in the mix now, but LaVisca Chenault, another wild card as well. I like him in those gadget places. If you watch him, he's a big dude, too. Like he he's is running, very big. Like he's, he's big. He's not your typical <laughs> yeah. slot receiver. We saw him really ball out in Jacksonville. He had, obviously, a few shines, a uh, few moments of shine in last year. I think he's another guy that could possibly give some, give the guys uh, some run and get in the mix and, you know, give uh, these guys uh, over the hump. Good think, attitude about him, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really the case for Jonathan Mingo and LaVisca is their size. And right. that's something that maybe Carolina hasn't seen is like a bigger wide True. receiver. Uh, and then you and then if you do add in the tight ends there, too, yeah. it, it gives you more depth on that side of the ball. But some beef in there. And with that's the, right. <laughs> you know, Miles Sanders, too, you're yeah. talking about, like, Using the tight ends if they can be blocking tight ends. And then Miles Sanders, he can be a blocking back. Like, that's yeah. going to be another interesting dynamic as well. For sure. Absolutely. Well, rookie minicamp is done. We got three sessions of OTAs. Those have come and gone. And now on the Panthers' offseason schedule, we have mandatory minicamp getting started tomorrow. Although most, if not all, players have been present for voluntary OTAs. So that's a good thing. It's also a chance to kick it up a notch before their summer break, Grace. Right, but uh, the Hornets, they're in their summer break as well, but they've got some pretty big decisions to make coming up. In fact, next Thursday, they will make a pretty big decision during the NBA draft with the second overall pick. They may or may not take this guy, Brandon Miller. He's going to work out with the Hornets tomorrow at Spectrum Center. The six foot nine wing out of Alabama has been widely speculated to go either second or third overall. Scoot Henderson, who is the guard that is expected to either go before or after Miller, worked out for the Hornets over the weekend. That's not the only prospect the Hornets are looking at, though. They hosted six more collegiate athletes today. Rajir Bolton out of Gonzaga, Desmond Cambridge Jr., Arizona State, Matthew Mayer out of Illinois, Omari Moore, Kevin Samuel, and Flo Thamba. 
So lots of guys to take a look at. Yeah, I feel like they, I mean, they have had a new slate every single day, it seems. But the Hornets do have a bounty of picks in this upcoming draft, and that's the good news here because they really need to restock second overall of course, and then another first-rounder at number 27. Thanks to the Nuggets, Charlotte also owns picks 34, 39, and 41 in the second round. And I'm anxious to see, you know, the Hornets actually may be helping us know that Brandon Miller is coming to town tomorrow. But I am, I don't know about you, Grace, I am totally on the Scoot Henderson train. And just kind of seeing, I, I think, I don't know if I had less expectations, but I think just seeing some some things about how he's working out, how he's kind of wowed mm -hmm. some of the Hornets staff a, a little bit there, and, and I'm I'm anxious to see if they do pick him what what he could do. He is not the number one, not going to be the number one overall pick, but I think he has the potential to make an impact like a number one overall pick. And I've seen, I'm with you, I'm on the Scoot Henderson train because I think it'd be cool to just go Scoot Henderson. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. There's so many marketing opportunities there as well, but I, I also haven't seen anything that separates, the, that separates Henderson from Miller enough. And then when you, you got to talk about it when you consider the off court issues too. Sure. Like Charlotte's already been through that. Do we really need another? episode of that too so if it's if it's there's not a big separator yeah i'm leaning henderson yeah absolutely all right well you might be able to bet on who you can yeah number true. One soon. the north carolina sports betting bill is on the home stretch of making sports betting legal in the tar heel state the house voted 68 to 45 for the changes to the bill made by the senate earlier this month and now the bill just awaits official sign off from governor Cooper, who is expected to sign the bill into law on Wednesday. It's still expected to take effect January 8th of 2024. So that'll wait a little bit more, but it's getting there. That's right. That's the big the big announcement there. Well, over the next couple of months, the next generation of racers will get their chance to shine at America's home for racing. The cookout summer shootouts kicked off tonight at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and the summer racing series is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. It's hard to believe. Over 150 young racers are expected to hit the track this summer in Legends and Bandolero cars. And we got to catch up with one of the first drivers to take home a checkered flag in this year's series. It's cool to say I'm 11 years old and I won at Charlotte and all the greats are in Charlotte. It just feels great. Um, I love it. Uh, I love this sport. It, Love that and his mullet. Oh, my goodness. The shootouts will have nine more race nights over the next week with Champions Night set for August 1st. All right, and then there was one, right? Wake Forest dominates their way to Omaha, and now we know who they're going to be up against. We preview that matchup coming up. And NASCAR drivers may be on vacation this week, but some drivers' minds are on the lines ahead. It's a win and in scenario for many of the Cup Series drivers when they return to action. Plus, Gabe McDonald going to rejoin us, and he weighs in on what he's going to be watching at Mandatory Mini Camp tomorrow. And we know how much Charlotte FC tickets are going for when they play Inter-Miami. And Grace, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and we got Lionel Messi to thank for that. And of course, we were covered all coming up in Quick 6. That's just ahead here on Charlotte Sports Live. Hey, how about those Demon Deacons? Wake Forest Baseball punched its ticket to Omaha over the weekend for the first time since 1955. Wake is the number one team in the country and blew through regionals and super regionals with a plus 59 run differential. Just insane. Wake Forest will now play in the College World Series along with Florida, TCU, Virginia, Oral Roberts, LSU, and the winner of Tennessee or Southern Miss. 
or Texas or and Texas or Stanford. They are still playing, but uh, play begins out west on Friday. Really exciting stuff. You know what else is exciting? The quickest two minutes and informative two minutes in all of sports. This is Quick Six, as he does most nights, Queen City <laughs> News. Brian Blakely joining us again, and we've got Gabe McDonald, so let's put two minutes on the clock. Gabe, you are going first. Who will you be watching the most tomorrow at Mandatory Minicamp? So, of course, the obvious answer is Bryce Young, but I'm thinking about the cornerbacks that he's going to be throwing to. J.C. Horn, obviously going through his injury. Dante Jackson bouncing back from him. We need to see what the depth is looking like. C.J. Henderson, Keith Taylor, I'm looking at you two fellas. Those are the guys I'm watching the most tomorrow. All right, Brian, will the Hornets try to make any pre-draft trades, you think? They got five picks out of the 41, uh, the first 41. Why not? You know, how many of those are actually going to make it under the team? Because most of them will be sent to the G League. So I say take three of those and try to trade up for a number one pick if you can. All right, Carla, which NASCAR driver, driver who doesn't have a win yet will notch one within the next three races? Okay, just because we're going to Nashville, they haven't raced on that course uh, only twice before. I'm going to go chase Elliott. He won there last year, and he, I think he has a good shot over the next three weeks. Uh, we're also got the Chicago Street course. I mean, I think you kind of maybe got to look at an A.J. Allmendinger, maybe a Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, the track house guys. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at those drivers. All right, all right. All right, Gabe, what's the most you'd spend on a ticket to see Messi at Bank of America State? So I know Messi's one of the all-time greats. I'm not the biggest soccer. Probably about. I can't say that here. <laughs> one, I know. Probably about <laughs> one. against the rules. Probably about 125. He's going to use his media pass. <laughs> I'll probably go. I'll, cool. It's a Saturday yeah. game, so I'll probably be there anyway. But I'll probably go about 125. That's why we got into this business, right? <laughs> yes. All right, Ryan, give us your early pick to win the U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country um, Club. Scotty Scheffler opens as the early favorite, but I'm going to go with John Rahm. He's uh, so pretty much chalk here. And by the way, Los Angeles Country Club, it's not Riviera where they have the other golf tournament. This is a beautiful country club smack dab in the middle of Century City and um, uh, Beverly Hills. It's going to be some nice beauty shots here. Are they paying you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Carla, if Carolina Panthers made a move, made the Panthers made a movie. What actor would play David? Tepper? I'm not good at these things. Like, let's, I don't know, Van Diesel. Uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> Van Diesel, no. Patrick Stewart, maybe. Ed Harris. Vin Diesel. supposed to say Tom Cruise. Tom Vin Cruise. Diesel. George Clooney. George Clooney would be good. Yes. I'm, yes. <laughs> All right, they're telling us to wrap. We've wasted too much time. Those are our options. All right, Chase Elliott back in the top five after his one-week suspension. But now the countdown is on. Only ten weeks for him to try and find victory lane. We'll discuss what needs to happen next. While it may not have been his final act in the NBA, our number one moment was clearly Michael Jordan at his finest. Facing the Jazz in game six of the 1998 NBA Finals, Jordan took over as only he could. With Chicago down three late in the fourth, his airness saved the day capping off his heroics with one last image of his greatness. Jordan a drive, hangs, fires, yes! scores! He scores! The Bulls lead 87-86. Jordan finished with 45 as the Bulls finished off their 90s run with their sixth championship in eight years. Well, NASCAR made history very early this morning, completing the 24 hours of Le Mans. Jimmy Johnson, the legend himself, making the final laps. NASCAR's Garage 56 car finished 39th out of 62. 
but it was a win for everyone in the Hendrick camp that helped produce the entry. It completed a distance more than three times that of NASCAR's longest race, the Coca-Cola 600. And remember, the team started the week by winning the Le Mans Pit Challenge. And a nice shot of the car right there, even though the screen froze for us. But We're yes. having technical difficulties. <laughs> we are. You get it, though. They went around in the circle, and they, they got it. Yeah. All right, so there are just 10 races left in NASCAR's regular season, which is funny because there have been 10 different winners this season. That's right, which means there are still six playoff spots open, and the easy, easy, easiest way to get in is to win a race. But for a lot of guys, they're hoping just to sneak in via points, and all the guys who have won a race are currently locked in after that. you got Ross Chastain and Kevin Harvick, Chris Buescher, Brad Kislowski, Bubba Wallace, and Alex Bowman, those fill out the field for now. Those are the guys without wins but are locked in with points. Winners uh, should happen the rest of the season, but there are the fringe drivers who are on the outside looking in. You got Daniel Suarez is just three points below Bowman for that final spot. Ty Gibbs is 11 out and Michael McDowell 14. Then we start seeing the drivers who are really in a must-win situation, and that's Cendric, LaJoy, Almarola, and of course, Chase Elliott. All right, so the driver of the nine has missed so many races due to injury and suspension that his back is now against the wall. Chase Elliott has just one stage win and is 84 points behind the final playoff spot, which is held by his teammate in the 48. Elliott led some laps yesterday in Sonoma, but ultimately finished fifth, a performance he and his team hope to build on after the break this week. It was a good fight. Certainly had one of our better runs there uh, the last couple, so always good to finish strong. And, you know, it wasn't an ideal situation, so to to kind of fight through it there and, and get a top five is uh, is a good thing. So looking forward to, um, yeah, trying to build on that and, and hopefully contend for a win here before long. So definitely closer today. And this is kind of sort of NASCAR news. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to get a new stadium. We know that. But now front office sports is reporting that the team officials have talked with Daytona International Speedway about having the Jags homes games there while the new stadium is being constructed. Timeline would be for two years on the infield of the track. The track can hold 100,000 people, but visibly for a game that probably fall to around 50K. Football has been played multiple times at the race venue for college teams. And I think that's a pretty good spot, don't you? Grace? I think they could fill it, right? I, I think so. At least 50K, right? <laughs> All right. Well, no crown going to Connor McGregor. Oh, who this is sent a doozy. Bernie, the heat mascot. Poor Bernie. <laughs> to the either. emergency room. I saw this headline, and Grace, I almost didn't even believe it. This was a pre planned skit. The hit, obviously, a little too hard. Bernie is recovering and doing well at home. It's our anti-crown moment for tonight, but the real ones, we'll hand out those next. So we realize that we're not even in Spartanburg yet, but it's never too early to start thinking about your preseason plans, right? I mean, the Panthers, Jets, they kick off the preseason in 61 days on August 12th, and then they're going to travel to Jersey the following week to face the Giants before returning home against the Lions. Jets and Giants games, this is the important note that you need to know and put in your calendars. Those games are going to be right here on Fox Charlotte. All right, now it is time for our QC crowns tonight, and I said that Conor McGregor was not going to get it, so who is going to get it, Grace? All right, mine is going to Travis Kelsey. So this is his first pitch attempt earlier in the baseball oh, season. no. It didn't go so well. That, so he's from Ohio, so that was at the Guardians game. So we'll watch that one more time. This I'm is how bad shocked. it was. Yeah. Spiked it, right? I've so thrown he a better got... first pitch. <laughs> right, I could probably throw one too. But the but the Royals were honoring the Chiefs today, and Kelsey got a redemption first pitch. 
a lot better. It's a strike. Give it up for him. He was in the lab. He knows how to throw a strike, which is funny because isn't Patrick Mahomes like he could play baseball yeah. or whatever? I love Why? that. I like the arrows too. They're like right here. Right here. Right yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, my crown goes to this, and uh, I've watched it so many times, but it's just not enough. It goes to Adam Hadwin for being the ultimate fanboy over the weekend. He's the guy with the champagne. to celebrate, oh, man, Nick Taylor's Canadian Open win, but security steps in and just takes him out of nowhere. I mean, I, where does a security guy even come They were doing their from? jobs. In yeah. all fairness, they yeah. didn't. USGA know. also giving Hadwin a little apology after, so I love that moment. All right, that's going to do it for Grace and myself. We'll see you right back here tomorrow night.